the Lord. Hallelujah. God is good. It's all about Jesus. Amen. It's all about Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, I want to bring you greetings from Pastor Josh and Stephanie. They have come back this uh, morning from a time of retreat. And so uh, I'm going to be ministering this morning. My name is Earl Darlington. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I want to start out by, um, well, actually before that, we are having a trip to the Dominican Republic coming up Saturday, from Saturday through Friday, first through the 7th. And so if you're in this service, we did this the first service, some of the, the team was there. If you're on that team, please stand right now. Look around. All right. There's one. Okay. Just look around. Please remain standing. We're going to pray for the team as we go. We'll be um, ministering. I'll be ministering next Sunday in a local church there. Uh, and then for the next four days after that, we will be ministering to children and youth, doing vacation Bible school, uh, doing uh, some hangouts with the youth, sharing the gospel. So uh, please be just praying with us all week as we minister to the people there in the Dominican Republic. Let's pray. Stretch your hands toward uh, those of us who are going. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for this opportunity that we have. Father, you have called us to be Christ's reconcilers, to go into all the world and to make disciples. So as we go, Father, as we preach the gospel, as we share our testimonies, as we minister to people, we thank you that the word of God will go forth with power and anointing, that you'll anoint us, Father, uh, and that there will be uh, signs and wonders and healings and, and all kinds of things taking place that the people need in uh, the Dominican Republic in that area. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the angel of the Lord that's encamped around us, bringing us to our destinations in safety and in peace and bringing us back, Lord, with a great testimony of what you have done and you will get the honor and the glory in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. So today we are concluding Pastor Josh's series that he began on the local church. And today, uh, this last session, we're talking about being planted in the house. Now, I'm going to kind of preach this a little bit backward because I'm going to give you the end before I give you the beginning. How many like to read the end of a book and find out how it ends before you start reading? Not me. <laughs> Not me, but I'm going to give you the end before the beginning. You see, the thing is, being planted in a house means that there are some powerful things and benefits that have happened. So, there are several people, and I'll talk first about myself. The church is going to turn 42 years old this November. Yeah. <clears throat> Amen. But Denise and I, we have been with IFC for 41 of those 42 years. Actually, before the church was a year old. 
And so you think that's something. Pastor, when we came, we found Pastor Tom there. When we came, we found Carmen Christmas there. And her two kids there. Pastor Mo, I don't know if you knew that, but Pastor Mo and Melissa, they were there before we came. And then there were several others, you know, there was Dee uh, Dee Polonsky and the Kirks who were in the first service. So there are people who have been planted in this house and have been a blessing to this. That's right. Give it up for them. And I may have left some people out, you know, don't be offended with that. If you have been here uh, as long as some of these people, you see, being planted in the house means that God is able to do a work and to use you in powerful ways. So, uh, and I didn't say this first, but I just want to add this other thing. Uh, Within about a year after we came to IFC, we had moved to Winchester. And then two years later, we were able to buy the house that we are now in. And Cookie, <laughs> who was a young teen, I think he was 14 or 15 years old at the time, Pastor Mo, he, he helped us as we, he helped us move in, but he also, he and I, uh, wallpapered our living room together. He had never wallpapered before, so I showed him how to do it. He was a quick study and helped to do that. So that's the blessing of being in the house for quite a long time. All right, let's begin with Psalm 92, verses 12 to 14. It says, The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree, and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall sting, still bring forth fruit in old age. And I'm older, but not old. <laughs> they shall be filled with vitality and foliage. So I want to start with the palm tree. Now, I love palm trees. Uh, contrary to popular belief, I'm not from the Caribbean. I was born here, but my family's from the Caribbean, from Barbados, and been there many times, and been to you know other places. I've been to Puerto Rico. I'm about to go to Dominican Republic, and I love palm trees. And on all the times that I have seen palm trees and been in uh, different places where they've had storms and hurricanes and everything, I have never seen a broken palm tree. Anybody in here ever see a broken palm tree? Same as the first service. And there are people who have grown up in uh, these countries where they have palm trees. Because when the winds blow, they bend and sway, but yet they haven't broken. Of course, here in New England, I've seen plenty of oaks and maples and all kinds of things uh, that have broken and seeing them come down, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about big round things, okay, that have come down under the weight of snow and the wind and everything. But I've never seen that happen. You see, a palm tree is designed by God 
to be able to sway and bend. And when you are planted in the local church like a palm tree, guess what? Storms may come. Problems may come. There'll be situations in your life and in your family. Guess what? Because you are planted in the house of God, God's going to make sure that you're swaying, bending, and not breaking. Amen? And then he said also, you'll be like, you shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Now, most of us maybe don't know what a cedar tree is, but how many of you know about the sequoia um, trees in uh, California? Those big, giant redwoods, right? Uh, I remember when I was younger, I saw uh, either it was a National Geographic thing or whatever, saw a picture of it, and I saw one of the trees so massive that they had built a road right through this, this tree, okay? That's how big they are. But the reason why they can get that big is because they have been able to last for thousands of years, talking about 3,000 years and more. That's what these big, massive trees, and these trees and the cedar tree, they're evergreens. So there's always signs of life in these things. They're able to resist drought. They're able to resist uh, the, the different insects and pests that would, that would destroy them. They're able to resist these things. They're strong and hardy. Well, the cedar of Lebanon is like that. Now, there are cedar trees in Lebanon, and in the Old Testament, this was... Phoenicia, okay, the, um, not the Philistines, but Phoenicia, the, um, the Phoenicians are the ones who are sea bearers, and they use these uh, trees to build their boats to be able to travel uh, across the Mediterranean. That's what these trees, and they were strong enough to do that. In fact, they were using them all through those thousands of years, so that, and then in more recent uh, centuries, they have almost uh, cut them down, uh, use the, overusing them so that there aren't that many left. But still, there are some that they believe are as, as old as 2,000 years old. They're like the sequoias, okay? Maybe they haven't grown quite as big. I heard that something like they could grow up to 40 meters. That's used over three feet in a meter. That's a huge tree. So these, and they're strong and powerful. In fact, the, um, the sap in it and some of the, um, the, the chemicals that are in it are used to make fragrant perfume. Shut up. <laughs> that's my, that's the Siri. It didn't do that first service. And I teach Spanish in a middle school, and I'm in the middle of teaching, and Siri chimes in. So anyway. <clears throat> but these trees are huge. They're strong. They're stable. And when we are planted in the house of God, the word of God says, 
that we will be like the cedars of Lebanon. We will go the distance. We're, we're strong. We can. Uh, they, they also talked about the sequoia is such a tree that it has even been able to resist some of the fires. Think about that. I mean, wood is usually fuel for fire, but the, the, those trees have been able to resist fire. They can go. When you go through things in your life, in your family, when you go through the trials and tribulations, when you go through the fire, guess what? If you are planted in the house, God is saying he'll make sure that you will go the distance. You will sway with the wind. You will be able to last. You're resilient. You'll bounce back. Romans 8, 29 says, For he knew all about us before we were born, and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. This means the son is the oldest among the vast family of the brothers and sisters who will become just like him. You know, we want to become just like Jesus. We're made in the image of our father. Now, when I was growing up, I used to, I used to hate this because all my relatives would say, you look just like your dad. You look just like your dad. And then they would start saying, you're just like your dad. You're just, and, and I hated when they said it. You know why? It wasn't because of how I looked. But my, my dad was an alcoholic growing up. There was all the disappointments of uh, sometimes you're waiting to go to uh, amusement park, Canopy Lake, and that Saturday morning, uh, my dad would come back late and he'd be drunk, so he couldn't drive us. My mom would have to be the one to drive us, and he wasn't a part of that, and those disappointments, you know, and then as I got older, I began to understand, uh, you know, what he went through when he was younger and everything, which, you know, didn't excuse things, but he wasn't someone who was planted in the house, but, but my family was planted in the house of God, and there were other men in the church who served as good role models, but I didn't want to be like my dad. But then, as I, again, as I got older, I began to see some things, some positive characteristics in my dad. My dad was a friendly person. I think I'm friendly. <laughs> my dad was a generous person. Uh, they used to say, but my dad, he never met a stranger because anybody who he came across, he was easy to talk to and, and uh, to befriend. And, and that, was the, the character, that was one of the major characteristics of my dad. And guess what? Those are good characteristics. And I began to realize, yeah, there are some good characteristics that it was good to be like my dad. I'm glad I was like that and not the other. So, um, but being planted in the house of God, guess what? God makes sure that you have everything you need in the house. Now, if you're not planted, you've missed out on some of those benefits. Uh, but we're to become like him. And in order to become like Jesus, you've got to hang around him. In order to hang around him, you've got to be in the house. You've got to be in the house. In order to develop those characteristics, you have to have them portrayed in front of you so that you can be formed in his, into his image day by day. 
There are five specific blessings that you will enjoy when you are planted uh, in the local church. When you are planted here at IFC, these are some of the benefits that come from it. First one, you will encounter God's presence. Wow. When we have praise and worship, we have a group that is just so good. You come in and you begin to worship and you just get drawn right into the presence of God and it's great. It's great. Amen? Guess what? If you're, it's, you know, you can worship through, uh, you know, recordings. You can worship in your own house and, th- and you need to. That's good. You can turn on YouTube or Spotify and worship and that's good. But there's something about worshiping with other believers that you miss. That, that you, you miss the, the, the anointing that comes in. How many have come into church and you've had like maybe a horrible week and you came in and you left here different? You came in and maybe you had a week where uh, you had coworkers that were, were just rubbing you the wrong way. You had a boss that maybe was treating you wrong and you came in here and in this house, through worship, God began to do a work in your life and began to heal you from all the negative words and negative experiences, right? Amen? However, when Monday came, Friday you left that way, Sunday after church, you're totally renewed. Monday, the problems are still, they didn't magically go away. The problems are still there but there's something different. When you're rooted and grounded in this house, what happens is you receive the word and the anointing and the the experience of of worship. The presence of God will bring you into that situation that is still a problem, but now you have strategies. Now you have this, this feeling, more than a feeling, this real sense that you can conquer anything that you're going to face. That's what happens when you're in the presence of God and when you're established in the house of God. Matthew 18, 20 says, For where two or three are assembled in my name, there I am in the midst. Another verse of Scripture says, uh, One can chase a thousand. Two can put 10,000 to flight. And we are more than one or two. Think about how much power is available to us because all of us working together, praying for one another, encouraging one another, worshiping God together, there are, there are millions that we can put to flight because we are rooted and grounded and established in this church. Uh, there's um, a situation that happened with... Uh, or experience that I had, I was, during COVID, we had to get out of the building a lot back, back um, in 2020 and 2021, and I teach in a public school. And so I decided that I was going to go get lunch, and I, right near the, where I got my sandwich, 
there was a park in Stoneham, and I sat on a bench, nice and warm. I'm eating my sandwich, and then what I see is uh, these um, uh, cracks in the asphalt, and there's a crack here and a crack there going past the, the, the bench, and I'm following these cracks, and what I realize, these cracks are really roots from this large tree that was across from me, and these were the roots, and what happens is these roots had gone down, and they are seeking nutrients and seeking water and everything, and this tree is a huge tree, and it's able to grow because it reached out, its, its roots reached out to get the nutrients. That's what we ought to be like in the house of God. That doesn't happen overnight. That doesn't happen because, okay, you're, you're here today, and then a week later, you're gone to another church. That doesn't happen because uh, next year, uh, you're someplace else. Now, I know God moves people in different places, and you have to obey God and go where he plants you. But you need to be planted in a local church. If you're not, that's not going to happen. That tree, in order to become established and stable, needs to be there long enough so it can really draw those nutrients and not be a skinny, scrawny tree, but a huge tree. That takes years in the making, but it's receiving the nutrients. Let's receive the nutrients year after year and watch our family grow. I didn't say this first service because uh, I was concerned about the time, but, you know, we have these silver maple trees, right? And uh, those trees are the trees that have those little helicopter seeds, <laughs> right? And if you don't take care of them, okay, in your lawn, you're going to see these little saplings come up. Well, if you didn't rake them up, before long, you've got a lot of these around. And so you pull them up. It doesn't help to just mow them down. They will keep growing back up. As long as you're feeding it with water and fertilizer of your lawn, you are also watering and fertilizing these little uh, seeds, seedlings. And they'll grow. But you've got to pull them up. Okay? If you don't pull them up, so I'm looking across the street uh, for years, there are all these little uh, saplings. Pretty soon, when they go to um, uh, build a house over there, there are several trees across the street that now it takes a bulldozer to pull them up, okay? Because they were rooted and grounded year after year, and they were able to grow up. This is not something that they could just chop down. They had to be bulldozed up in order so that they could build that house. Think about that. It has to take a tank or bulldozer to, to move you from what God has for you. Amen? Amen. All right. <clears throat> we just sang, Jesus is the center. And the church has, um, is like the believers in the Old Testament. So you have the Shekinah glory, the presence of God taking place in, in um, the Old Testament. They saw the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day. 
they knew that God's presence was with them. They knew that that was going to lead them through the wilderness. And so they built the tabernacle, uh, which is a tent, also called the tent of meetings. That's where the Shekinah glory came down and rested over that place. And they set up camp there. And then when it moved, they moved. When they moved, they moved to the, when, they, when the Shekinah glory moved, they moved to the next location. They followed the presence of God. That's what the Shekinah did. And then the tribes were encamped around the tabernacle. They were focused there. And then when it, when it moved, the priests and the Levites, of course, were the first ones to move out because they took the tabernacle and moved it. But then Judah went first. Judah means praise. We start out with praise and worship, and we can have just that wonderful presence of God established, and then God begins to move and direct us and where we need to go. That's a, a benefit from being in established in the house of God. Uh, Ephesians 2, 19 to 22 says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the entire building tightly framed together, grows into a holy temple in whom you also are built together into a dwelling place of God through the Spirit. Y'all are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what this is talking about. Another scripture in 1 Corinthians says, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You, you plural. Y'all are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Together, we are that building, that tabernacle where the glory of God comes down and is in our midst. But guess what? It says we are tightly framed together. Okay, say to your neighbor, we're tight. Say to your other neighbor, we're tight. Okay, you said it. Now you've got to live it. Breakthrough, breakthroughs in corporate or united prayer and worship and impartations, and transformations, and revelations, they all take place in part because of the presence of God in our midst. And in order to enjoy that, you got to be in the house, established in the house. We're glad that we have people who are with us through the, um, social, through the social media and through the... Um, the, the programs, the, the stream, the, the live streams, and that's great. But you need to also be in the house Amen. to receive the full benefits. Amen. Second benefit, you will be equipped and established. Ephesians 4, 11 to 14 says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such a unity 
in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of teaching. You see, the gifts of God are are there to establish us in the Word of God so that we will understand what, the, what we believe and how we are to act, but also to equip and train us to do the work of the ministry. When I was in seminary, I had one professor who uh, ended up being my advisor who he uh, taught on this verse. This is the first time I heard about fivefold ministry gift. And he said, the ministers are not called by God to do the work of the ministry, not all by themselves. We are called in order to equip and train and teach and form the body of Christ so that we'll be able, as a body, do the work of the ministry to win the lost and to heal uh, souls. That's the the job of these ministry gifts. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, that's our job. We don't do all the work ourselves. We need all of you in order to get the work done. Well, you see, um, uh, when he preached, when he taught that in the class, all of a sudden God spoke up on the inside of me and said, I have called you to be a teacher to the body of Christ to equip the believers for work of service. And then I knew what God had called me. I went to seminary knowing I was called to ministry, but I didn't know what uh, actual focus was going to be my ministry. But then God spoke up when this was, this was, this has now become my verse, okay? Throughout the years, if I was trying to discern what direction God had for me, it was always Go back to what he said you are called to do, a teacher to the body of Christ to equip saints for service. In fact, at that same seminary, before, before my time there, there was a man by the name of Victor Weirwill, and he's the founder of uh, a church, if you want to call it a church, The Way International. And the reason why I say that is The Way International does not believe in the divinity of Christ. They believe that he's the son of God the same way each, and each of us are sons and daughters of God. But don't believe that Jesus is the son of God, God in the flesh. How did he come up with that? Here's the thing. In seminary, some of the classes you take, you're learning about different doctrines. Not different doctrines for you to believe, but so that you'll know uh, what's out there and be able to defend against it by the word of God. He was reading some of these books, and he said, this is confusing, so he got rid of the books. He left seminary and said he's going to study on his own. Of course, we need to study on our own, but he isolated himself. And what happened was he came up with some strange doctrines and started teaching that and came up with the way, because the Bible in, in Acts the early church was called the way, and so he called it the way. And then the, 
the local church will call branches, and then the people within the local church will call twigs, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but, he, but he taught that Jesus Christ was not the Son of God. And God, so this is false doctrine. This is, this is not the truth. This is not what the Word of God says. And yet, how did he come up with that? Because he isolated himself from the local church because he wasn't rooted and grounded. There was no one to speak into his life because he isolated himself to, to correct the error that was coming, to bounce off what he was thinking. There was no one around him. It was just him. So he became uh, his own authority. We're not to be our own authority. God gave us the fivefold ministry gifts in order to help correct error and so that we won't be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. First uh, Corinthians 3, 6 to 9 says, I was the one who planted the church, and Apollos came and cared for it, but it was God who caused it to grow. This means the one who plants is not anybody special, nor the one who waters, for God is the one who brings the supernatural growth. Now the one who plants and the one who waters are equally important and on the same team, but each will be rewarded for his own work. We are co-workers with God. You can't be a co-worker with God if you don't have any co-workers around you. That's why we need the local church. You are God's cultivated garden, the house he is building. Let's look at the next point here. Uh, three, you will enjoy fellowship with people of like precious faith. You see, when Peter and John were in the temple, and they came out, and they saw this man who had been um, lame from birth. You know, Jesus had passed by this guy because Jesus had been through the temple area many times. And now after Jesus' resurrection, this same man who had been there daily, who wasn't healed by Jesus, now Peter and John, they walk by, they see this man, who's begging for alms, and they say, silver and gold we don't have, but such as we have, we give you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk, and he was instantly healed. And then they were persecuted by the Jewish authorities because they were healing in the name of Jesus and told them not to heal in that name. And after they had whipped them and, and, and released them and sent them off, verse 23 of Acts 4 says, they went there to their own people, their own company, and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word with boldness. We need to be able to gather together as believers to draw strength from one another. Yes. We need to be able to uh, grow and face persecution together when the devil can pick us off when we're off by ourselves. Right. But when we have other believers, brothers and sisters, to pray with us and pray for us and to encourage us, uh, then the power of God is multiplied with us. Amen. And verse 42 of, second, uh, of Acts uh, chapter 2 they continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching 
in the breaking of bread and in prayers and continue daily with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They had small groups, but they met together as one. Uh, and uh, uh, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And God added to the church daily those who were being saved. We need a company of believers that we can relate to and can help us, that we can fellowship with and we can continue to grow. Uh, the fourth point, you will discover, this is the fourth benefit, you will discover your God-given gift. You know, we all are gifted, and some people don't know that they're gifted. There are people, believers, uh, who have lived, you know, up through their 20s and, and older, and don't realize that they have a gift. You know, they have a profession, you know, but they don't realize that they have a gift. They say, oh, I don't have any gifts. I'm not special. We all have a gift, a special gift. And God wants us to discover it in the local church and be used in the local church and through the local church. Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says, For God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. Gifts are an indication of the call of God has placed on our life. It is an expression of his grace at work in us. Uh, Romans 12, 4 to 6, Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing different things well. Listen to this. You see, there are gifts here in IFC, and there are people that uh, they discovered their gift after being here in the house, in the body. They've discovered their gift, uh, and they've honed that gift. They, in other words, they developed that gift, and God is using them in mighty ways. Uh, the individuals just showed up and served. And then, after serving, they begin to find out, oh, there's something I'm good at. Or maybe they moved to a different area that they found an interest in and began to serve there and planted themselves in that ministry, and God began to use them. And now we, we look at so many of those people and we say, you know, how do you do that so easily? They've been planted somewhere. We won't bloom unless we are planted, but we need to bloom where we're planted. If you pluck up, pick up stakes and move and replant and pick up and move and replant, okay, it stifles growth, and in many situations, some plants, you do that, and they wither and die, but I'm feeding it. I'm giving it water, and still it withering and dying. You've been moving it from place to place to place. We need to be planted in the local church. And then the fifth benefit, you will participate in God's harvest. John 17, Jesus prays for his disciples. 
verse 20 to 23. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. May they also be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory which you gave me, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be perfect in unity, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Guess what? We need to be together showing love for one another so that the world... And, and that love doesn't happen just happenstance, right? There are people who you know who just kind of rub you the wrong way. You know what? Get over it. You see, uh, when someone's... When there's friction, it's not all bad because it means there's something in you that needs to be smoothed out and there's something in them that needs to be smoothed out. Isolated, you stay thorny. But together, you smooth out those rough places as iron sharpens iron, the word says in Proverbs. So one man's countenance sharpens that of another. We become better through rubbing off on each other, through helping each other, through getting over our idiosyncrasies and our quirkiness. Because we all have idiosyncrasies. We all have quirks, okay? We're not going to talk about mine, but <laughs> that's what you're all saying. Don't talk about my idiosyncrasies. Don't talk about my quirks, okay? I'll get upset. It'll hurt my feelings. I may leave. If you leave, you never grow. That's what we need. Because someone invited a person. Because someone shared their testimony. Because someone gave to the legacy offering. Because someone smiled and said hello to someone in whether they be a visitor or not, but you smiled and said hello to someone in the lobby. Because of that, someone came to know the Lord because of the little, so-called little part that you played. That little part is a big blessing. But if you weren't there, your gift wasn't sown, and therefore, you did not get to experience a harvest. We share in that harvest because we've been working together in God's field. And then we see people come to know the Lord. We see lives changed. We see bodies healed. We see minds transformed. We, we do that for the little part that we play. Let's all play our part. The glory of God is, is in manifestation uh, by the Spirit in our midst because of the people worshiping and serving together. We get to be a part of the harvest. We get to be part of something bigger than ourselves. Every time we gather, we should come with an expectation 
that today I get to be a part of someone's miracle. Amen? Let's pray. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us this opportunity and that many of us, we call IFC our church. This local church is a place where we have planted ourselves. Many of us have planted our children here. Growing up in children's church and then as adults are serving in the ministry. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for changing our lives, changing our children's lives, and changing our grandchildren's lives. Thank you, Lord, for changing the lives of our friends and acquaintances because they have come here and been a part of the blessings that we receive every time we come through these doors. Thank you, Jesus.